Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Talking to Humans. I am Vicki Demert. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Andrus. And this season, we are talking about emotions. Uh, our guest today is Arnold Reese, um, and he's going to help us talk through um, guilt and shame, which I, I think he's probably super excited about. Um, hello, Arnold. Hello. Welcome. How are you? Good. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your role here at Gateway? Yeah, um, so my role here at Gateway is I'm the high school now pastor, recently been made pastor. I'm really excited about that. Um, and so I work with high school students here in the high school ministry. Um, I have, uh, I'm married to uh, uh, my wife, I, and we have four kids. Um, go, go, Ava's 11, Asher is nine, Isla is seven, and Alyosha is uh Three. You were a little uncertain about the ages. Did you yeah, I'm just trying to remember that. Hesitation. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to be correct there. So yeah, um, so all, my kids are younger. They're they're not yet into the teen years, but um, we have a busy household because we've got a lot of a lot of young ones. And so, yeah, I love being a, a dad and a husband, and um, I love being a, a pastor here at Gateway. So awesome. Nice. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, and. Uh, like you said, the, the topic for today's conversation is guilt and shame, which um, by definition, nobody wants to talk about. Otherwise, it wouldn't be guilt and shame. Um, you know, but within this season, uh, as we're talking about engaging to all these different kinds of emotions, uh, some of the things that have been helpful is even just with the different guests kind of hearing how they've personally experienced mm-hmm. anger, fear, you know, whatever it might be. So just to get us started today, um, how... How have you experienced guilt or shame in your own life? You know, not necessarily kind of unpacking your deepest, darkest moment or whatever, but what role has guilt and shame played in your life? Yeah, um, uh, you know, as I was invited to talk about this, I began to think about um, just kind of all the ways in which throughout my life uh, I, I would say I've experienced shame. And I, I actually can't think of an, in, an entire part of my whole life where I wasn't um, extremely burdened by shame. And so, um, you know, the, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's had its grip on me since a young age. Um, um, you know, there was just, I was a, for first, firstly, I was a firstborn. Um, and so I carried with me a sense of responsibility that, um, when I didn't meet that responsibility, I felt shame over that. Um, when my, you know, when my parents, um, my, my parents divorced when I was younger, and uh, I experienced uh, a great deal of shame about that and just kind of how I, I carried my parents' shame uh, because they were, they were both Christians and, and we were involved in church, and so they, but they got divorced, and so there was shame there that I carried with me. Um, and I also, you know, didn't know how to act. I found myself emotionally acting out and then feeling shame over the way that I was broken and over the way I was acting out. Um, and, uh, and, and I look back at a lot of parts of my life with just utter, like, man, I wish that wasn't true of mm-hmm. me. I wish that didn't happen, you know? So, so there was, it's interesting in that. So you, you, you didn't cause your parents divorce, but just by virtue of relationship context you're in, there was shame that you carried. And then what I heard you say is you, you know, responded in certain ways and acted out in certain ways because of the shame. And then the way you acted out brought more shame on top of the shame. That's right. Yeah. So 
what like what did you do with that? How did you handle like do you bury it down? Do you keep acting out and have the cycle of shame and acting out? Like well, how did that affect you kind of on a day to day basis? How did you carry that? Yeah, so um, I was not someone who was going to be uh, outwardly rebellious, um, and so I turned inward. Uh, so so I I took my shame and tried to hide it. Um, I took my shame and tried to um, shoulder it uh, myself. And um, and so I think throughout the years, especially as I get you know grew as a teenager. Um, and I was I was kind of a, a, a it, it, I was kind of a late bloomer in life in that sense where uh, I, I I felt all this hurt and shame I felt all this um, you know this sort of inadequacy and so it it caused me so much inward uh, you know so much like all of my actions and my thoughts and my reflections turned inward that it kind of crippled me in the way that I would go about you know interacting with friends, interacting with people that I, um, you know, hung out with. And so there was a sense in which I, you know, I didn't sort of launch um, in, in high school like normal people do. I was just kind of like, I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm going to shoulder this to myself and, uh, and, you know, by myself. And so uh, that was kind of the effect of that. And I, and I think that that has not just carried over or not just been in my teen years, but carried over even into my adult life. Um, so, yeah. So I, I'm kind of thinking as a child, you probably didn't have words for how you were feeling. Like when you were however old, you're not like, oh, I feel, I feel shame right now. Um, when, when or how did you realize what you were feeling was shame? Um, maybe when I began, uh, preparing for this podcast. No, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. Just kidding. No, uh, you know, there was, it, I think I was confronted with that, um, part of my life, um, when I, yeah, I think when I got, when I got married, so I carried that all the way. It's a wonder mm-hmm. my wife even married me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's just so incredible. It's, she's such a gift from the Lord, um, in so many ways, uh, to me. But when I got married is when I had to confront that, um, because she would put up with it. Cause I also was very, I'll just say, I was also very, um, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but there were moments of brilliance where I would sort of come out of this shame. I wanted Mm. to do something uh, good. I wanted to be bold and push back, you know, so there was, there was this streakiness, Mm. but I just was continually returning to that shame when, when things didn't work. And so, um, you know, so there was an aspect of me that was like, okay, I could, I could perform, perform, perform. And then, but at the end of the day, I'm going home and feeling shame. And Mm. so, uh, that it's the going home at the end of the day. Mm. Now I had someone at the end of the day to go home to and shame did not work in that. It was uh. destructive. It was um, not good for her or for me. Um, and so I was faced, um, I was faced with that, having to deal with that. So <laughs> that's mm-hmm. where I began. I would say the process of like, okay, I'm experiencing something that is um, very harmful, but also very deep in me. Like, I didn't even know where to even begin. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say, like, granted, there's, there's always a hindsight is twenty twenty. like Vicky said, you know, in the midst of it, you're probably not identifying it as, oh, I'm shameful. Like, when you look back, what would you say was the source of your shame? Like, I'm shameful because this. 
what would that source have been for you? Well, um, I mean, I don't, so for me, I think a lot of it, I'll just be honest is, um, and this isn't, I'm not saying this is true of everyone, but I think for me, when I look back it, I had a, a ton of, pr- of pride. Um, I did not want to be seen as someone who, um, who was damaged like this. I wanted to be so- seen as someone who's capable I wanted to be seen as someone who uh, could handle things and um, and someone who would make the right choices and someone who could, uh, you know, because I am a people person, um, someone who could actually engage with people and help and, and ha- have a following kind of thing. I, I, you know, so this idea of shame was not something that I wanted to face. Um, but what's interesting is I was so blind to it. So right. it was a part, it, yeah. it eked, eked out of me, even still. I mean, uh, I think people could probably see Arnold. That's something that he struggles with, you know. And so, uh, it's just some. It was so much a part of me I didn't even realize it. Yeah. And I was longing for this space where I could be um, whole and accepted, um, you know, and uh, and and feel normal in a crowd. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So as you as you grew in your awareness, you said you know marriage the crucible by which a lot of that stuff came to the surface. You get me to realize, Hey, at a deeper level, here's some of what's going on here. Um, what was the process like for you of naming it, dealing with and beginning to address the issues of shame and the repercussions that that had had on, on your relationships? How did you begin to do something about it? Yeah, I, I would say that, um, my role in, in, uh, in kind of addressing my shame, um, was quite minimal. I, I did not take an active role in any of that. What do you um, mean by that? So, uh, so you know, I would read scripture um, as a sort of remedy for this, um, as a sort of way of dealing with it, or, or trying to get better, I should say. I would read scripture as a way of try, trying to get better. I would read books. Um, but all the, all the scripture, uh, it, it, it didn't... All the scripture that talked about shame or my worth or there's therefore now no condemnation, you know, all of those things, they, they honestly, they just kind of, I was like, okay, this is true. I can, I can believe that with my brain, Mm -hmm. but I don't experience that. And actually what it did is it created what I think the scripture does oftentimes um, by God's mercy. It created this dissonance. It created this gap Mm -hmm. between my, my experience reality and the truth of, of reality. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, as I began to work into this, I've got a problem here. Um, I didn't do any of that work. All the, the word of the Lord actually didn't help me move out of shame in that sense. It didn't directly, like these encouragements did not mm-hmm. say, okay, now, now I'm, I'm not as, I don't feel the shame. Um, you know, uh, and so I think, I'll be, I'll just be honest. Like it, it, it was actually something completely apart from any kind of exhortation, exhortation scripture. And it was actually, there's, um, there's a, there's a, a passage in Luke in which, uh, Jesus is invited over to the Pharisee Simon's house and a woman, um, a woman of ill repute comes in and begins, uh, anointing Jesus's feet 
And uh, what's amazing about this, um, this is this is what I think has been the most powerful part of um, sort of the way that I uh, approach my shame, and, and it's this. In that story, uh, Jesus allows this woman to touch him, and he allows all of the guests in that room to think about him by letting her touch him. Mm. And then he f- pleads her case. He's like, mm. she has shown more love to me than you have. And in that and in that moment, he takes on her shame. Like it, it, it the, all the, all the attention now is not on her shamefulness. Mm-hmm. It's not now on his. Yeah. But he didn't just do that for the woman. Um. You know, Simon is is you know he's like uh, judging Jesus incorrectly, mm-hmm. completely blowing it. And uh, and Jesus enters into that man's shame. Yeah. And so whether your shame is out in the open, whether it's just uh, you know laid bare for everyone to see, and you're feeling that shame, or whether you're a hider of that shame, mm. whether you hide that shame and cover it with rules or uh, however mm. way the the million ways that we cover it, because I honestly believe that we every one of us spends our entire lives trying to cover our shame, mm-hmm. to hide from our shame. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, they, they, they hid themselves because they were naked and ashamed. And man has been doing that ever since. And so I think Simon was one who was hiding his shame. Mm. And so Jesus enters into both of their lives and he takes on their shame. And uh, so for me, it was the looking, I get, it was, it was the looking at Jesus that began to give me some, uh, that, that grabbed hold of me and shook me and was able to have power over um, that, that, uh, that shame. It's, it's interesting because kind of what I'm hearing you say is kind of maybe more explicit verses or passages that talk about, hey, you have value, that, that was kind of more of a abstract or cognitive like something that's right but actually seeing it play out and like looking at Jesus and and as a practical um playing out of it in relationship that did something that transformed you that spoke to you yes definitely and that's why that's why that's one of the wonderful things about scriptures is if I mean if you can even look at your own experience um oftentimes the the encouragement and the formation and the renewal of the Lord that comes through scripture is often in a place where you weren't mm-hmm. looking for it. Right. You know, you were, you, you, Oh, I know that this part of scripture talks about this. So I'm going to go here. It's usually not mm-hmm. that space, Yeah. you know? And so there's a sense in which the, the word of the Lord is powerful in that way to do that. And that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what happened for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, Ed Welch is a professor and author and counselor. And and one of the things that he says kind of differentiating between shame and guilt is shame is something is wrong with me. Guilt is I did something wrong. Um, And there's a lot of overlap between those things. A lot of times we feel guilty because of the things that are wrong with us and the shame we feel. So there's a lot of connection there. Um, But scripture 
scripture deals with both in, in really beautiful ways. And as, as you mentioned before, from, from the beginning of sin in Genesis 3, we as human beings acknowledge and see there is a standard of which I fall short. Mm-hmm. And, and shame leads us then to, to try to meet that standard either by, you know, inward, um, you know, inward, like keeping stuff away from everybody else so that nobody sees how fall short, how far short I really fall and outward performance. You know, I'm going to cover myself to make me look prettier than I am. Um, you know, and Adam and Eve from the very beginning, instead of acknowledging the shame and going, God, we, you know, we need you to enter in. They go, God, we'll, we'll cover up to, to try to atone for these things. And, and then that idea of we, we dress ourselves up to deal with our guilt and shame. Like that's, that's what every one of us does. It plays out in different ways, but we dress ourselves up. And what I, what I love about what you said, it made me think of, there's a song that we sing sometimes uh, called Cornerstone. And there's a, a line in there um, towards the end that says, um, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness yep. alone, faultless stand before the throne. Yep. We rightly see ourselves as faulted, like full of that. And, and the hope and the solution isn't performance and dealing with our own faults. It's seeing we can't, our only hope is for Jesus to enter in and take those on. And he's the one that dresses and clothes us and puts us in a position where we can stand before God and others in right relationship. Yep. Yep. So what, what does that can look? I, can I, can yeah. I just kind of add to that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a very important distinction, Mark, because it's not, uh, it's not that we shouldn't uh, hide away in shame, but where we hide away in shame. Mm. Because if we take refuge in him, in, in the one who takes our shame, and, and the one and who the psalmist says is our hiding place. Yes, is our is our refuge. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. is our hiding place. Um, if we find our our, that's where we go to. That's that's what's important. I, I sometimes think uh, how difficult it is um, for people who don't have hope in Jesus to to deal with the issue of shame, because there's there you can fall off of either boat, either side of shame. It, you can either say. Uh, I, I am shameful and I just get what I'm going, what's coming to me. And I have to just sort of live this life. Kind of cosmic karma. Right. Yeah. This cosmic karma. And it's true. There's a sense in which there's there. That's true. We are as broken as we can be. I mean, we live in a dangerous world. We are, uh, we, we live in a place where we can be accused by the enemy because mm-hmm. it's true. We can be accused mm-hmm. by others because we have sinned mm-hmm. against others. We have God's righteous judgments against us. And that it's so it's very much true that there is something wrong with us, yeah. right? But you know, as Tim Keller would say, we're we're more we're more broken than we thought, but we're also more loved than we could have ever imagined. And so the gospel. So if you deny either of those, then you you end up running into a a, a false or a a a a a, a futile cycle of shame. And so w- one of the things that I I just love is that. I can say, because one of the things that I, I used to hate, uh, I'll be honest, is when people would say, don't, you're feeling sorry for yourself, quit feeling sorry for yourself, mm. quit, um, you know, sh- that shame, you need to cast that a- aside. And I'm like, no, I am broken. Yeah. <laughs> I am a met. I like, I, yeah. I am. And, and to, to say that I'm not is not true. 
yeah, yeah it, to, to deny to deny reality. What I'm thinking is um, if people kind of maybe a way to, to frame it is if people truly knew me, would they accept me? Yeah. Like, so I, I want to hide kind of the, the, yes. the ugly parts or the, the shameful parts um, and, and only show, you know, the, the good stuff so, th- so that I'll be accepted. But if they truly knew this over here, um, would they accept me? And, um, you know, I'm just thinking about making ourselves known to God. And, and yes, that it, it's risky to, to make yourself known. But when you're talking about the story with uh, the woman and um, Jesus and uh, the Pharisee, like just thinking how she experienced value, mm-hmm. you know, like he yep. looked at her. Yes. Like he, he saw her and yes. you know, Simon, Simon, do you, do you see this woman? Not, not just physically, but do you see her, her soul, her personhood, her, the image of God in her, um, and, you know, I, I think even stuff like that, like, like I see you and, and I care. And, and he pointed out her, um, her faith and, yes, you know, all those things uh, give value and, and cover the shame. Yes. I mean, the whole situation wouldn't have existed if this woman hadn't been a woman uh, that had plenty of shame, uh, yeah. reproach upon her. You know, it just wouldn't have been the same story. But she did. And. But in spite of that, Jesus looks at her with the utmost mm-hmm. compassion, just absolute compassion. Like he desired mm-hmm. her, like he wanted and he liked and he appreciated her. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah. That, so yeah, we anticipate disgust. Yes. Like, like he or others are going to look upon me with disgust yes. or disappointment or um, yes. We anticipate that because if we're honest, that's probably what we would do. We, in yeah. that story, that's right. like we're not the woman. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're right. Simon. We're going, mm-hmm. oh, that person. Oh, man, I can't believe. And the reality mm-hmm. is that we need to turn around and like, no, there's room in the kingdom of heaven for that's me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, Arnold, what does it look like for you? Because I'm, I'm assuming that it's not, oh, I see Jesus rightly and therefore this issue is completely gone from mm. my life. Like there's a, there's a daily <laughs> yeah. struggle and probably rhythms and cycles that what does it look like for you to, to acknowledge and deal with guilt and shame on a, you know, whatever that kind of daily basis is for you? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Um, yeah. So, uh, I do believe, uh, despite what I said earlier, I do believe that the word of God and those exhortations do a f- do form you and do shape um, uh, the way that you think um, over time. When I mentioned it before, I just meant it wasn't helpful to me in that to, moment to 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 get rid of shame, right? Or to help me think through it properly. Functionally, the way it was being used, um, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, removing the shame. It wasn't removing the shame, yeah. Um, but the extent to which I experience. Um, uh, the extent to which I experience, uh, co- I'll just use a big word, co- communion with God. It's it's kind of a, I know that's like kind of a religious and, you know, Christian-y term. But the extent to which I experience communion with God, um, it, I, I have the right to be, con- I have the right to be called a child of God. Mm. Right? So that for me, is something that has had to grow. But it came by me seeing how Jesus responds to shameful people, to people Mm -hmm. full of shame and to people experiencing shame, people destroyed by shame. And so 
for me, it is a con- it is a continual reminder, and and and, and I'll, I will add this: uh, being a part of the body of God, um, being a part of um, this community that continues to say, "There's a space for you here," mm. um, and and one that's it, it's nonetheless still like they keep they call me on things. But they they say you you've got a space here. Yeah. You know it's kind of like it's kind of like I think uh, Luke's Luke's used that um, that analogy of when he played baseball, and uh, you know his coach told him he ha- he was having a rough patch, a hitting hitting slump or whatever, and his coach is like, "You're still my third baseman." Right. Mm. You know it's that idea. It's like yeah. there's a security. There's, there's that yeah. security there. Like you you do belong here. Yeah. Um, and being a part of community is helpful in that. You know I'm I'm thinking about. Um, for me, the temptation is um, I want, and I'm thinking again, maybe about the, the woman of the city. I want people to know that, that they sinned. I want them to make sh- I want to make sure that they, that they know that what they're doing is, is not good and wrong. And, and yet, um, Jesus didn't do that, you know, and, and there's a little bit of like, huh, what, what, what do we do with that? Like mm. he wasn't condoning sin or minimizing it, um, Yet, you know, because I think kind of that that focus on, on being like, I want to make sure you know this, but I think she already knew. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah Jesus, when the person of Jesus, when when he confronts and addresses sin, it's when there's a, a hard heartedness or a high handed approach that doesn't think it's there. When there's a blindness to it, that's yeah. when he calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. You paint yourselves mm-hmm. all pretty on the outside, but inside you're rotting versus the woman caught in adultery, the woman coming to Simon's house. He doesn't need to do mm-hmm. that and yeah. draw that out. Like she's already well aware of it. And so yeah. the way in which he, he meets her and responds to her is, is appropriately different. Yeah. Um, when, when I think about, when I think about shame and guilt, um, there's, you haven't used this word Arnold, but a lot of what you've referenced is the, the freedom that we have because of who we are in Christ and how he sees us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear, when I hear guilt, okay, if I, I've done something wrong, there's freedom in knowing that, that, that Jesus sees that we are even more guilty than we are and has already, has already made a way and has already forgiven us. Like we don't have to fear the judgment of, of Christ. There's a freedom then to acknowledge, yes, I did do something wrong mm-hmm. and yes, ask for yes. forgiveness. Whereas with shame, it's a deeper thing of like in my core, there's something wrong with me. If our natural inclination is to hide, then it seems like that the biblical and there's biblical principles for this as well is then rather than, than hiding in our shame to, to expose that and to actually move into community, be around other people, like you said, who can see that and call it out at the same time saying, Hey, there's this thing that needs to be addressed and we are with you. And there's ongoing community, and there there continues to be a place here, and that 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 feels counterproductive yeah. for us. And contrary, because yeah. at our core, we're all about self protection and self defense, because being hurt hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? I can I can I yeah. just add to that? I think so. I I, I printed on my notes here uh, Psalm thirty two, mm. um, and uh, I just think that the first part of it is just so appropriate to how I've felt and how I've experienced shame, but also as an encouragement. Uh, but it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose mm. spirit there is no deceit. Listen to this. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Mm. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my mm-hmm. sin. What freedom is there yeah. in that? I, I, there's something that you, um, every, everybody who's experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, you can't, you, you can't put words to it, but there's something where you're like, I find myself more wretched than I did even before, but it's, I'm, it's more wonderful. Like I, I it, it's yeah. like, I, I'm happy. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted in the, in the forgiveness that I've received. I'm delighted in the goodness of God and the mercy of, of God. And so there's something that comes when, uh, I just love that. Like I did not cover my iniquity mm-hmm. because that's, that's essentially what we are all doing when we try to cover our shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels counterintuitive. Yes. Cause, cause what, yes. I think what, by nature, like we, we want to hide it. And so to, to speak it, to bring it into the light, to um, go like, I, I think, um, yeah, like when there's sin, sin or shame, like I don't have to defend or justify. Um, I can confess because he's faithful and just to forgive. That's like right. There's that, yep. that provision, and he's happy to. He's pleased to. He wants us to. Yeah, and that's a, that feels like at times um, a, like, a, like a faraway dream, like pie in the sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that for me, I, you talked about what do you need to do, what do you do, how do you deal with it, Arnold? Uh, there's a sense in which I've had to learn this this pattern of daring to believe. Mm. I've had to dare to believe that this could actually be true, mm. that I could actually be loved like that. It's an it's a posture of faith, but I use the word dare dare because it is it it feels so far away. It feels so risky. It feels yeah. so um, like it's. I'll try it, but it's really not going to do anything. So how does that play out? So I, I'll, I'll be honest. So I, I, um, I'm a bit of a thinker. And so honestly, I really? have to, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <laughs> so you, you've learned something about me today on this mm-hmm. podcast. So, um, I have to actually imagine, uh, what, how I would behave in a situation, um, how I would act if it were true that I have the right to be called, the, a child of God, like what would that? How would that differ from the way that I would normally enter? Mm-hmm. It's almost visualizing. Yeah. I like do a little have bit to of visualize. daydreaming, if you will. It is. It is daydreaming, um, and I have to because for me, it's not an automatic. It right. doesn't just sort of like sink into yeah. me, and I'm like, you know, it's not like a, you know, on the Matrix. That's an old movie, but like when he's like, I know kung fu. You know? <laughs> it's like it's not just downloaded to me. It's not just downloaded to me. I actually have to act i have to reckon it as true mm-hmm. and act wow. as if it is and and make that come to play in my my mind and my heart and my actions mm, that's great well arnold i uh i really appreciate you sharing honestly and openly yeah. um just about how you've experienced this it's been really encouraging and really challenging even to go hey like you talk about the the visualization piece which some people might wig out about that word but that's okay like that is just a that's a helpful thing that i hadn't considered before um, to stop in a moment and go, wait, if I really believe this, here's, here's what I would do. Okay. What would it take for me to actually do that? 
Yeah. Um, there's an aspect in there yeah. which is that Paul talks in, uh, I think it's the first, second Corinthians, I can't remember, about taking every thought captive. Mm. Like, and to engage, to engage our imagination, to engage our will, our emotions in the process of, of acknowledging and the dealing with guilt and shame has, has been helpful for me. Um, before we finish up uh, with this podcast, just I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that most people listening um, are probably personally very familiar with the experience of, of guilt and shame, that it's not, it's not unique uh, to you. So just w- what kind of, kind of final exhortation or encouragement would you give to people who feel um, who feel that that burden of shame and carrying that with them uh, that you've talked about before? What, what kind of exhortation or encouragement would you give? Um, yeah, I, uh, it, um, as I said before, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer, but, but Jesus, like I have nothing to point to, but Jesus, um, and his gospel. Now, with that being said, um, I would, I would just repeat what I had mentioned before. Um, those of you who are, who, um, experience that crippling shame, um, dare, Mm. dare to believe that you are, that you are valued, dare to believe that Jesus came, uh, to rescue you, even you, Mm. um, and, and, and dare to enter into community with people who, um, who know that truth and people who, who have to, try on that suit every day because it's not our default. Um, and so I don't want to give you something to do, but I just want to, uh, uh, I want to challenge the posture of your heart. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Arnold, thanks for joining us today, sharing thoughts, experiences, wisdom. Um, and I just, I'm grateful for the, the blessing that it is to our church and to our student ministry to have you in that role. Um, You've you kind of pastored us today in a way, yeah. and I'm I'm thrilled for our high school students and mentors mm-hmm. that get to experience that on a daily and weekly basis. So, thanks for, for thanks for joining us today. That's all we've got for our time together. Um, if you would uh, subscribe, do whatever you got to do, podcast stuff, and join us again for our next episode where we will, where we will tackle another emotion that is probably common to all of us. 